Because guys, for us, that's what we want, is we want to build our lives on truth. We want to build our lives on what God's word says about these things. So you guys are smart, you know, individuals. Y'all know these things. And so when we say in answering this question, here's kind of this umbrella term that we're going to be talking about some of these things tonight. Uh, And so we're going to be talking about some very heady, some very difficult, some very heavy things. We're going to be talking about ideas like homosexuality. We're going to be talking about things like gender identity, transgenderism. We're going to talk about things like marriage. We're going to talk about things like sex. We're going to be talking about all these things because they're important, because three reasons why we want to to address these things. Number one, y'all are mature people, okay? Yeah, we, we're not going to run a student ministry here at Mount Zion where we're going to take kid gloves to y'all and think, okay, you're 15, 16, 17 years old, and we're going to treat you guys like children, okay? We're, we're not going to do that. We're, we're going to treat y'all like adults. We're going to come at these things in a mature fashion because, one, you guys have given us feedback and say, hey, we want to talk about hard things. We want to go deeper. And, and I just want to say, again, like if you're a guest here, like there is no better place to be on a Wednesday night than a student ministry like this, where we have an awesome band that leads us in worship, where we have an opportunity, we have the ability to go deep in our discussion. We have small group leaders that, that are equipped and, and, and ready to have deep, hard discussions with us. Because we want to get to the root, and we want to get to the issue. We want to understand God's truth for our lives, okay? So, so while we're talking about these things, one, we know that y'all are mature people. We know that y'all are, are, grown, are grown-ups. We're not going to treat you guys like children. Who here, by show of hands, says, hey, I would really love to be treated like a child? Absolutely not. Like, this is, this is adolescence. This is my teenage years. These are the days of being an adult, of, of, of setting the tone for what my life is going to be. These are the days that we formulate these things, right? Uh, number two, guys, we recognize that these things that we're going to talk about are prevalent. prevalent pre- they're, they're very evident. What? Prevalent. prevalent is the word that we're looking for. These things happen around us, right? That These are things that we see. You guys, we've watched the Grammys just a few nights ago. We see these things on full display. We thumb through Facebook. We see these things on full display. We walk our our hallways in schools. We see these things on full display. And so there's something that is going on around us, that this is something that is happening all around us that we want to address. But also, if it's going to be happening around us, guys, it demands a response from us as believers. For us as Christians, for us as followers of God, that, that it demands us to be able to see what's happening, be able to see the condition of the world around us, and evaluate as believers, how do I respond in this moment? How do I, as a Christian, walk in light of these things? How do I, as a Christian, follow the Lord when the world is telling me to do and uphold certain values that go contrary to what I believe? And so that, guys, for us as Christians, and and what I want to say for us is this, that that's the key, is that it it demands a response from us, guys. We cannot run away from these things. We can't put our head in the sand and try and avoid these things. We can't try and change the subject every time these things come up. At some point in our lives, we're going to have to give a reason why we believe what we believe. We're going to have to give a reason why Jesus is the Lord of our life. We're going to have to give a reason why we believe in Jesus. We're going to have to give a reason why we go to church. We're going to have to give a reason why we claim to be Christians. And we can't do that by standing on the sidelines. And so we have to be on the front lines and we have to be able to fight back lies with truth. 
We have to be able to say, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Lord is proclaiming to us. This is what we feel. And so, guys, tonight, what we're going to do is just try and hit, I know this is a huge topic that we're going to try and hit in, in, in one night of Greenhouse, okay? But what I want us to look at for us tonight is this idea, okay, why we believe what we believe. As Christians, why do we hold to a, a conservative stance? Why do we hold to a stance that doesn't affirm these things? Why do we hold to God's definition for sex, for gender, for marriage, for all these things? Why do we hold on to these things? We want to see biblically why that is, but then we want to put some like meat and potatoes on it, and we want to say, okay, like this is why I believe what I believe, but we also know, guys, I know what y'all are going through. I know the life, and I know the world that y'all are living. How do I do that? Because this world is, is going in a different direction. Okay, how do I stay true to the Lord and how do I uphold these things that are unpopular by the world's standards? And so, guys, I said, for all of us, we have to be able to give a response for us. And I want to I show a, a huge difference for us, okay? That next side for us. There's a huge difference in our, in our explanation of things. There's a huge difference in because period and because fill in the blank period. Does that make sense? So, like, I could come in and say, well, I love tacos. Well, Hunter, why do you love tacos? Because. That's not a great excuse. That's not a great reason, right? I mean, also, like, we all love tacos. Probably a bad example. But, but we can say, and so, guys, for us, a lot of us, maybe we have because period down. Hopefully tonight what we're able to explain is because fill in the blank period. Does that make sense? That we want to understand, hey, this is why we feel this way. And I say, like, you have maybe been in arguments with people that have, and I don't want to say arguments, like, we're going to leave this place, like, like don't, don't take that the wrong way. But you might have had conversations, you might have had arguments with people that, that might not have had great reasonings for why they're doing things, or why they're believing certain things, or why anything. So to kind of tell, a, can I tell a funny story real quick as we kind of, like, ease into this just a little bit? So back when I was working camp in 2015, one of the things that we always did uh, at the end of every week, we handed out evaluations to all of our like Bible study kids, okay? And they would rank, and they'd be like, the food was a two because blah, and the recreation elements were a five because I got to go swim. You know, y'all, y'all know what I'm saying? And so one of the things, the line on that was that they had to rate their Bible study leaders, which was Hunter at this time. And I remember this kid's name, actually. His name is Bradley, because <clears throat> you don't forget what people say about you. And so here's what Bradley said, and we got the evaluation to him, and everybody got to rank him. You got to rank your Bible study leader on a scale of one to five, okay? Five being you knocked it out of the park, one being why are you here, right? Okay. And and Bradley, on a scale of one to five, went to the side of one, wrote zero, and then circled zero, right? And and here I was thinking, uh, you know, this is my first week of the summer, I'm a, and, and I, seventh grade boys, where are you at? So he was one of you. Okay. This is one of your tribe. Okay. And so here we are. And, and he, right, he, he, he went out of his way and I'm having flashbacks of like junior high, like passing notes. Will you go to the dance with me? Yes. No. And then they'd write like, stop talking to me. Check that box. Anyway. And so I, I get this, I get this, you know, um, 
like uh, uh, what's the judging card back? He got the I got the grade back, and then I got a zero from him, and I felt like it needed a response. Because I wanted to know, Bradley, did I hurt you in any way? Did I make you sad? Did I hurt your feelings? Do you just not like me? Okay, and I asked, I said, Bradley, bro, like, I, I, you know, I, I do not live to please man, but I, I have to know, why'd you give me a zero? And he said, because. I said, okay, well, because why, right? Because why? He said, because I just do. And I said, okay, well, Bradley, that, that hurts my feeling. And I'm trying to, like, relate to him on an emotionally empathetic level. I said, Bradley, that, that hurts my feelings. Is there a specific reason? Is it my face? Is it the way I dress? Is it my accent? Is it the way I talk? Why, why do you not like me, Bradley? He said, I just don't like you, man. I don't know what it is. I just don't. And that was my only zero for the year. And you know what? Here I am, what, 20, 23, eight years later, and I'm still tore up by that. I hope Bradley is doing fine somewhere. I don't know. Like, whatever. Anyways, so all that to say, like, we have to have better reasons for why we believe. We have to have better reasons for backing up our arguments than just because. Or... Because that's what Pastor Kevin says. Or because that's what my mom and dad say. Or because that's how I was right. Like, we, we need, so need nitty-gritty, we need meat and potatoes to this argument, okay? And so that's what we want to talk about. So we want to look in two cases here. We want to look at the why we believe this. From the Old Testament, going all the way back to God the Father, what God the Father said and ordained about gender relationships, marriage, sexuality, things like that. We want to look at Jesus's words in the New Testament. We're going to try and pop the bubble on some of these like worldly um, arguments to try and disprove what we believe and stuff like that. So if you have your Bibles, Old Testament, we're in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, that shouldn't be hard to get to. That's like literally at the beginning. You're going to find the page that tells you like the table of contents, and then you're going to find Genesis chapter 1. So we're going to start right here and understand this. Like As we're studying this and we're studying God's Word as well, the Bible puts a very kind and a very loving truth together for gender, for these things. It's, it's not this new concept that now, here we are in 2023, this, this new wave of individualism and things like that has just erupted in front of our face and that God looks at it and says, I am ill-prepared for this. These are things that were going on in the Bible. These are things that were happening during biblical times. These are things that the Bible addresses for us as well. And so, guys, for us, in order for us to have a, an argument and a stance of why we believe what we believe, understand this, the first thing we have to do is we have to have a measuring stick of truth for our lives. And for us as Christians, for us as believers, that measuring stick is the Bible. That measuring stick is God's word. That measuring stick is God's teachings. It's God's truth. And so that's what we hold up to in this world in 2023 is the what is true and what is not. So as we, sorry, as we discuss these things, like that, that's, the, that's the baseline that we have to understand is that these things are coming from the Bible. We uphold that the Bible is true. Uh, it's like, have y'all ever heard the tale of how uh, the Secret Service is able to tell what are counterfeit monies or not? Anybody? They don't sit here and study every counterfeit imaginable, 
right? They study what is a real dollar bill, what is a real $5 bill, and they study the real thing so well that when they see a fake, when they see a phony, it comes to light immediately. And for us, guys, that's why we say study your word. That's why we say get invested in scripture. That's why we say study these things so that we can uphold the lies of the world to the truth of scripture and see what lies, what is true, and what is false, okay? And so in Genesis chapter 1, we see at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So stop right there. What we have here at the beginning is that God created everything. So what did God create? Everything. So God created everything, and he created everything for a purpose, for great purpose. He created everything. And so everything that we see, everything that we experience, everything that comes forth, is that big enough? Can y'all see that? Okay, cool. I'm looking at like the cheat monitor back here, but anyways. So all these things, everything is created by God, everything is created for God, and everything is governed by God, okay? So when we look at God creating the world, as the creator, he's in ownership, and he's in the authorship, and he's defining what these things are. And so we see affirm for us as believers that God created everything. He created the heavens, the earth. He created you. He created me. He created man. He created woman. In fact, we go down to Genesis chapter 1, verses 27, and it says this. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In verse 28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on earth. And so what's really cool here, okay, when we see like mankind step foot on the scene for us, one of the first things that we are introduced to is their gender, is their sexuality, are these things because God created them and God authored them together. That you look at what God did when he created man, when he created woman, is the first thing he did, he created them, right? Again, he created everything. So we have man, we have woman. He created them. Next thing he did, what he did was he separated them. That, that there is man, there is one. He created distinction between the two. That there, there, there's not just like a carbon copy of one and the same. There, there's distinction between the two. He created them, he separated them, and then he purposed them. He, he gave them purpose. He said, you guys rule over the world, you guys be fruitful, you guys multiply. He gave them a task. He gave them something to do with their lives. And, and it shows us, again, here we, here we go, that God created these two genders. He created male, he created female. And what he did is by purposing them, he also gave them tasks and he gave them responsibilities and he gave them things that made them uniquely male. He gave them things that made them uniquely female. Okay? And so you look at this, guys. In God's eyes, male and female are equal in his sight, but they're not the same. Okay? That, that they're, they're both different, they're both distinct, and they both have great holy purposes separated from one another, right? And so we see right there that, that God created and he initiated, and he brought gender, he brought sexuality, he brought these things. You know, it says be fruitful and multiply. We all know what that means. Like he, he brought important purpose into the life of male and female, and he brought something that can only be achieved through the lives of male and female. And so we see that Old Testament uh, purpose of why. Well, now let's go to the New Testament. And I said, we're kind of hitting SparkNotes version of this, but in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 19, we, we get Jesus's 
response on the matter, okay? Now, the argument that we get a lot of times when we look at the New Testament is like, okay, well, Jesus never said anything explicitly about homosexuality. Jesus never said anything explicitly about gender. Jesus never said anything explicitly about these things. And, and, and no, he didn't come out and say, okay, guys, here's the deal, and just like lay it out in, in layman's terms for us. But what he does do in scriptures, he does define and he does uphold God's standard and he affirms God's standard. So in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 6, to give you guys a little bit of context of what's happening here, Jesus is being confronted by a bunch of Pharisees and they're asking him on what grounds is it okay for divorce. And, and, and it, when you were reading this, it, it, it almost sounds like Jesus is saying, okay, well, Moses allowed divorce to happen. And, and understand this, guys, like, and I don't say this, this is a different message for another time. And I know that we have a lot of families and we have a lot of people here who have been touched by this. Like God's plan for marriage, and we're going to see what Jesus says here, is, is for life. That God's plan for marriage is man and woman together for life. And so there's almost this tendency when we read this that it almost seems like Jesus is allowing divorce or anything. What, what happened was in the Old Testament, to kind of unpack this really quickly, is that there, the people of God were looking for a reason, okay, can I leave my wife? Can I leave my people? Can I leave my bride? Or things like that. And, and what they were doing was they were following these tasks by a pagan worldly view, which was very violent and very mean and very hateful. And God, out of loving kindness and through Moses, came in and said, hey, we're not going to do things like the world, and if this is something that has to happen, we're going to have order and we're going to have kindness and we're going to have grace towards it. Divorce is never the desire for God's relationship and for marriage and things, but we, we see that. So kind of moving on through that, Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 6. In verse 4, it says this. It says, Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And so stop right there. In verse 4, what Jesus is doing, everything we talked about in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 1, he's going back, he's affirming what had happened. He's affirming what God has established. He's affirming what God had set in order. He's affirming all of these things. But then he builds upon that in verses 5 and 6. So pick up in verse 5, it says this. And Jesus said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, Hold fast to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So what is Jesus saying right there? Well, he's affirming for us that the context of relationship that God ordained, that God set aside, is that it is a heterosexual, it is a monogamous, it is a lifelong, lasting relationship. I know those are bigger words, like let's, let's kind of simplify it down. This is that a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. Okay, we, we know what heterosexual means. That's man and woman. That's, that's different. That's, that's man and woman coming together. Monogamous, he will hold fast to his wife. They are no longer two, but they are one flesh. That they now come together, they're bonded together for life and for lifelong. What God has joined together to let no man separate. And so we sit here and we see, okay, if we're trying to redefine and reevaluate my, my life choices, my, my gender, my orientation, my attraction, all these things, it has to stay for it to be God's truth, for it to be God's standard, for it to be what God created. It has to stay within this line. Y'all get it? And so we see what God has established. This is why we believe 
that relationships are between a man and a woman. This is why we believe that gender is male and female. This is why we believe that you know, you should only be married to one person. This is why we believe these things, because this is the standard, and this is what God has established all the way in Genesis. This is what Jesus affirms in his earthly ministry, as seen in Matthew chapter 19, and this is why we believe these things, because the Bible is our measuring stick. The Bible is our standard of truth, and it affirms these things. Now, we don't have to go very far to realize that this definition that God gives is very different than what the world is offering us today, do we? I said, we watch the Grammys, we've come through Facebook, we watch TV, we watch movies. We, we don't have to go far to see that this definition is not popular and this definition is not widely held by the world. So if this is going to be our definition, how do we live these things in light of the world? How do we live these things in truth? As a Christian who believes in God's truth, how do I respond to these things? I want to give you three examples, okay? Number one, this is how we, do, this is how we live our lives. We live according to what God has established. We don't compromise on truth. We don't make concessions, we don't bend, we don't do all these things. Romans 12, 2 tells us, do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we are something completely different, we are something completely brand new. That we might live in this world, but the world is not going to control how we think, how we believe, how we act, how we do these things. And it's hard. We, we study this every week. It's hard to live up to what God has established for us. But at the end of the day, like those things about obedience, those things about righteousness, those things about holiness, those things about you know, being submissive to the Lord and being, following his spirit and everything, those things are still true and those things are what we are supposed to do. Now understand this, we will fall, we will fail, we will come short, and there is grace and there is mercy for us. But what is asked of us is still to follow what God has established and to follow his will and his callings on our lives. So we live according to what God has established. Number two, we don't shy away from difficult topics, difficult discussions, difficult people, difficult moments. Yes, we don't shy, we don't back away, we don't scare away, we don't scare easily as God's people. In John chapter 17, and what's really cool, John chapter 17, if you want a fun Bible study for a quick second, Read John 17, because these are the moments of Jesus headed up towards the cross, headed towards sacrificing himself for us. And what's the thing that he's thinking about in this moment is he's praying for us, his people. I think that's awesome. I think that's wonderful. I think that's somebody who's worthy of my life. It's somebody who's about to face sacrifice on my behalf, who's lifting me up in prayer. And in John chapter 17, verses 14 through 18, he prays this for us. He prays this for you. Jesus prays this and says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Y'all think about this. Jesus' last moments in this world are not, hey, don't let them ever come across anything that makes them uncomfortable. Jesus' last moments and last prayers and last words for us is not, hey, I hope they never see anything bad. Jesus' last words are not anything. Jesus' last words are, you know, hey, 
God, I pray for protection on these people, but they are here. Don't take them out because they are my mission force. Don't take them away because they have something great to offer. Don't take them away. And so, guys, for us, we don't scare easily as God's people, that we stand true, that we stand firm, that when we see ill truth, when we see mistruth, when we see tainted truth, when we see bent truth, when we see things going on in this world that go contrary to what the Bible says, that go contrary to what Scripture teaches, our response is not, oh, well, guess I'm not going to talk to them anymore. Our response is not, let's hide my head in the sand. Our response is not, let's run away, flee in the other direction, white flag, they're beyond saving. Our response is that we combat lies with truth. God's word is truth, and we combat lies, we combat deceit, we combat bent truth with the truth of Scripture and the truth of what God has. Because he has called us to be his mission force, he has called us to be his soldiers, and that is what we will do. And that is what Mount Zion will do, that is what the student ministry will do, that is what the small groups will do, and we will be on the front lines, and we will not scare easily. And lastly, (laughs) sorry, I got carried away. Lastly, you know that God defines you, you know that God defines them, that your sin does not define you, their sin does not define them, okay? Look, some of us in here have made mistakes, and this goes way beyond what we're talking about tonight. This goes way beyond all those things that were under the umbrella. Some of us have made mistakes. Some of us are here, and we're beating our head against the wall because we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over. I want every eye to look at me, and I want every ear to listen to me right now. You are more valuable, and you are more important than the sum of your mistakes and the sum of all the stupid things you've ever done in this world. you understand me? There's a God who loves you. There's a God who died for you. There's a God who sent his son to rescue you. You are more important than bad decisions, and you are more important than past mistakes. That there is grace, there is mercy, there is salvation for you. And if it is there for you, it is there for people in this world who might be doing difficult things and might be doing contrary things to what we believe. It says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, anyone who is in Christ is a brand new creation. Guys, there is more grace in Christ than there could ever be sin in your heart. There's more grace in Christ for the people of this world than there can ever be sin that they could commit in 80, 90 years in this world, okay? And so how do we respond as Christians? We respond with hope. We respond to letting people know that there is hope. We respond to letting people, we respond by letting people know that this is a place where they can find answers, that this is a place where they can find hope. And yes, guys, that means that when people of this world, when sinful people come to this place, it's going to change this place. It's going to make things feel a little bit less comfortable. It's going to force us to get a little bit out of our comfort zones. It's going to force us to have to have some difficult conversations. It's going to have to force us to be a little uncomfortable. But guys, the question that we have to ask ourselves, if we are in Christ, if we are new creations, are we willing to be uncomfortable so that lost people can come to know Jesus? Are we willing to talk to that person we've never talked to our entire life? Are we willing to talk to that person that has a reputation? Are we willing to talk to that person who dresses a little funny? Are we willing to talk to that person who we know beyond a shadow of a doubt does not believe the same things that we do? Are we willing to be uncomfortable? Are we willing to be inconvenienced? Are we willing to be those things so that lost people can come here, 
They can hear the truth of Jesus. They can hear the truth sung through music. They can find community in small groups. They can find, are we willing to face those things so that people can come to know Jesus? That's the thing. Are we willing to have difficult conversations like this tonight? And look, I would love, I love telling funny stories. I love telling y'all about Horse Cave, Kentucky. I love telling y'all about all the goofy things I did when I was your age. I love doing that. But I also love y'all enough to have difficult conversations so that we can be prepared and we can be ready to have difficult moments in this world. Because there are people out there who are dying. And what we talked about last week, that there are penalties for actions but that we have a lifeline, and his name is Jesus. So guys, that is my question. Last week, we talked about, you know, if, if we're willing to be inconvenienced, we talked about if we're willing to take a chance, we talked about how there is difficult things and there is unfortunate things that are happening for those that don't know Christ. And guys, y'all are in school with these people, y'all are in you know, football practice, y'all are in all these places with these people, and you have a lifeline. Will we be uncomfortable for the sake of Jesus? And I know that we've been uncomfortable tonight. I know we've talked about some difficult things. I hope it all was clear. I hope it was all made sense. I hope that what we have is a reason why we believe these things. But let's build on this to show the world, hey, that we speak the truth in love, that we show truth in love, that we show that there is a Jesus, that there is a God who loves the world. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you, and God, I'm grateful that we're a place that we can cut loose, and we can have fun, and we can have D-Now next weekend, and we can get crazy, and we can jump around, and, and, and we can do that thing during the Glorious Day song where we all crouch down, and then we all jump and go nuts, and everything. I, I, I'm grateful that we're a student ministry like that, but Lord, I'm, I'm grateful that we're also a people that can come together and have hard family discussions and talk about difficult things that make us feel uncomfortable, but talk about things that, God, we need to address as your people, that we need to address as your followers, because you've called us to be on mission and you've called us to reach out and you've called us to show love and show kindness and be salt and be light to these people that we come in contact with in this world. God, some of them believe very far things from us. But God, your truth is the same. Your, your message is still the same. Your message for the oldest senior adult next door who's grown up in church their entire life, Lord, your message to that person that sticks out in our mind when we think about people who don't know you, is the same, that, that you loved us, you sent your son to die for us, that we might be saved, that we might be rescued, that we might be saved. And God, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And Lord, I pray that we build our lives on that truth, we build our lives on that mission, and that that is the defining characteristic of our lives, is not winning arguments, is not intellectual superiority, is not athletic achievements, is not academic prestige, is not anything like that. God, the, the defining thing of our life is that we are your child, we are your soldier, we are your servant for the kingdom. God, I, I pray for our students. 
I, I pray for them. And, and Lord, I know that many of them have close friends, close family members who are part of this community. And God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. I pray that you would give us gentleness in our approach, grace in our words. But God, that we would be loving and kind enough to have difficult conversations and have moments of difficulty for your gospel and for your namesake, Lord. God, you have chosen us here in Huntsville, Alabama in the year 2023 for a great purpose, and that is to make you known. God, help us make that possible. Help us make that real. Help us make that an achievement, Lord. I pray these things in your name. Amen.